1: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton.
2: A person can have very animated, demonstrative worship. They can produce the best quality worship, you know, you worship with excellence, professional level worship. They can offer a quantity of worship. They can offer God something that is very costly to them personally. They can do all of these things while their hearts are far from God. The heart can be a million miles away from God and do these things.
1: Are you giving God what he really desires? Or are you just offering God worship without relationship? It isn't enough to lift your hands, tithe, or do other religious practices. God wants to have a personal relationship with you. God wants your love and your obedience. Today, Pastor Dan will use the book of Micah to help teach you about what kind of worship God is looking for. Micah reminded the people of Israel what God wants from us, to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Micah chapter 6 for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
2: for us before we get into the word. Lord, we thank you that your word is alive and it's powerful and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. We thank you that it never returns void. You always send your word forth to accomplish your purposes in our lives. Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher tonight, that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, remember, Micah was a prophet who addressed both the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. He was unique in that sense that he addressed both kingdoms. In chapters 4 and 5 that we looked at last week, Micah uh, looked ahead to the future, to the kingdom age, when Jesus Christ returns to the earth in power and glory And he establishes his kingdom on the earth and he rules and reigns as king of kings and lord of lords from the city of Jerusalem. In chapter 5, verse 2, we were given that beautiful prophecy about the birth of the Messiah. The one who will be ruler in Israel will be born in Bethlehem and his goings forth are from old, from everlasting. The Messiah will be unique in that he will be born in Bethlehem. And he will also be eternal. This prophecy really encapsulates both the humanity and deity of Jesus Christ. He's both man born as a baby. And he's God. Eternal, he's the God man. And so chapter five looked ahead to the future kingdom. Chapter six brings us back to the present day for Micah. And chapter 6 begins the final section of the book of Micah. Remember, there were three sections to the book of Micah. This is the final section. And chapter 6 opens with a courtroom scene. And in this courtroom scene, God is the plaintiff. Israel is the defendant that's on trial. And Micah is the prosecutor. He's the prosecuting attorney. Verse 1, it says, Hear now what the Lord says. Arise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, O you mountains, the Lord's complaint, and you strong foundations of the earth, for the Lord has a complaint against his people, and he will contend with Israel. If you're taking notes, that word contend means to bring charges against. God is bringing charges against Israel. He's bringing an indictment against the nation of Israel. And notice that the hills and the mountains of the earth are called by the Lord as witnesses against Israel. We have a saying, if these walls could talk. Well, if you think about it, the hills and the mountains have seen it all. The hills and the mountains of the earth have been a silent witness to every event in history. And so God calls the hills and the mountains as eyewitnesses against Israel. There are actually several places in the Old Testament where God calls the hills and the mountains or the heavens and the earth as witnesses for him. The hills and the mountains were present to witness all the facts that God will present in this case Against Israel here in chapter six. But before God presents his case, he gives Israel the opportunity to make her case against Israel, against God. I mean, look at verse three. Oh, my people, what have I done to you? And how have I wearied you? Testify against me. And Israel has no response. Israel has no response. They cannot testify against God. There's no accusation they can make against God. In Job chapter 9, Job asked the question, if someone wanted to take God to court, would it be possible to answer him even once in a thousand times? Someone really wanted to take God to court, and there's the cross-examination. Will they be able to answer even one question that God could ask? They don't stand a chance. You know, some people arrogantly say, when I get to heaven, there's a few things I want to tell God. Or I'm going to share a piece of my mind with him. He's got to answer some questions for me. No, you won't. <laughs> and do you really want to get in a back and forth with God where we're questioning each other now? And give him the opportunity to question you and what you've done. You're going to lose that case. You know, Psalm 19, verse 9 says, The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. God's judgments are always true. They're always right. He's perfect in all his ways. Now, we may not understand his judgments, At times, what he decides may not make sense to us this side of eternity. The Bible tells us his ways are higher than our ways. But his judgments are always perfect. His judgments are always right. So Israel, when given the chance here, they have no indictment they can bring against God. But God has some indictments he can bring against Israel. First, he says in verse four. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt. I redeemed you from the house of bondage, and I sent before you Moses, Aaron and Miriam. God redeemed Israel from bondage in Egypt, and he brings that up. God often brings up Israel's redemption from bondage. Israel's redemption from bondage in Egypt was the most defining event in Israel's history. It's still the most defining event in Israel's history. God actually told Israel, once he brought them out of Egypt, he told them to change their calendar and begin to start measuring time from the beginning, from the time of their redemption from bondage. So they were to mark time beginning with that Passover when God set them free and delivered them. And that's when the calendar starts for them. Not only did God redeem Israel from bondage in Egypt, he gave them leaders to guide them in the Exodus, he says, I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. So he gave them leaders. Third, God protected Israel during their journey through the wilderness for 40 years. On their way to the promised land. In verse 5, he says, O my people, remember now what Balak, king of Moab, counseled? And what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him? from Acacia Grove to Gilgal, that you may know the righteousness of the Lord. Uh, Balak was the king of Moab, and when he saw the children of Israel passing by his kingdom, he became fearful. And so Balak the king hired a greedy prophet named Balaam to declare a curse upon the nation of Israel. And if you remember the story in Numbers 22 to 24, every time Balaam opened his mouth to declare a curse on Israel, God caused a blessing to come out. And he kept declaring a blessing on Israel. God protected Israel in the wilderness. God provided for them. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 5, the Lord says, I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you. And your sandals have not worn out on your feet. God supernaturally sustained Israel for the 40 years in the wilderness. He mentions Acacia Grove and Gilgal here. He says from Acacia Grove to Gilgal. Now, Acacia Grove was the last place the children of Israel camped in the wilderness. Just east of the Jordan River. And Gilgal is the first place they camped in the promised land. After crossing through the Jordan River, God was faithful to bring them through the wilderness and faithful to bring them into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And so God presents his case against Israel. He delivered them from bondage. He gave them leaders to guide them. He protected them from harm. He was faithful to bring them into the promised land just as he promised. And what did Israel do in response? Israel turned their back on God. God has been faithful to his people, but his people can't say the same thing. His people have not been faithful to the Lord. Now, as you look at these things that God mentions here regarding Israel, God has done the same thing for us. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the same list here that describes your life and God's faithfulness to you. Uh, Jesus Christ has delivered us from the bondage of sin through his death on the cross. The Bible says we were all slaves to sin. And through his death on the cross, Jesus broke the power of sin over our lives and Jesus set us free. God gave us his Holy Spirit and his word to lead us and guide us, just as He gave Israel, Moses, and Aaron, and Miriam.
1: You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan.
2: It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com.
1: Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth.
2: God has given us the Holy Spirit. God has given us his word. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans in this world. But I will send you another comforter, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. He's given us the Holy Spirit to guide us. He's given us the word of God. Psalm 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God protects us. God provides for us. God is faithful and God brings us into the promised land. Now, the promised land in the Bible is a picture of the spirit filled life. It's not a picture of heaven. I know it's often depicted, especially in old hymns, as heaven. But the promised land is not a picture of heaven. The promised land has giants in the land to fight and walled cities and strongholds that need to be conquered. That's not heaven. There will be no battles to fight or giants to defeat in heaven. Praise the Lord for that. The war will be over. You know, everything will be settled. The promised land is a picture of the spirit filled life. It's a picture of the spirit filled life where we have fruitfulness and abundance And victory through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so all these things that God says about Israel. You could say the same about us through Jesus Christ. These things have been provided for us. So now Israel responds to God's indictments against her in verses 6 and 7. Israel says, well, with what shall I come before the Lord? And bow myself before the high God. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Israel offers four ways in which they can respond to God's charges against them. First, shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before The high God or to describe it another way, shall I come before God with very demonstrative worship? Bow myself before him, will that please God, if I get on my face before him, is that what he's looking for? Does he want demonstrative worship from me? And that will show that I I, I've repented of these things that he is indicting me of. In 1 Kings chapter 18, the prophets of Baal, if you remember that showdown with Elijah. Remember the prophets of Baal, they began to shout and scream and jump up and down and cut themselves. Very demonstrative in their worship of their God, Baal, to try to win his approval. Should I do that? Is that what God is looking for from me? Or shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old, A calf that was a year old was in the prime of its life. Uh, In the Exodus story, Exodus chapter 12, verse 5, God instructs the children of Israel to offer a lamb, and the lamb had to be a male of the first year. Right. So this is speaking of quality. Does God want quality of worship from me? If not demonstrative worship, does he want quality worship from me? Is that what God is looking for? Or verse 7 again. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of oil? If God doesn't want demonstrative worship from me or quality worship from me, what about quantity? Will that please him? Is that what he's looking for from me? Quantity of worship. Would the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and rivers of oil? Or, again, verse 7 Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? Will costly worship please God? If I give him something that I love, if I give him something that's important to me, that I value, that I care for deeply, is that what he requires? from me. Worshippers of the God Molech would offer their infant children as a sacrifice to Molech. They believed offering your infant child pleased Molech would cause Molech to respond to your prayers. You know, a person can do all of these things. A person can have very animated, demonstrative worship. They can produce the best quality worship, you know, worship with excellence, Professional level worship. They can offer quantity of worship. They can offer God something that is very costly to them personally. They can do all of these things while their hearts are far from God. Their heart can be a million miles away from God and do these things. You know, some people are willing to do and give, you know, God all these things But not give God what he really desires. God wants your heart. He wants your love. He wants your obedience. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul said, even if I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it counts as nothing. I can do a whole bunch of religious things without love for the Lord. And without love for other people. Jesus said these are the two greatest commandments. Love God and love others. Jesus warned that on the day of judgment many will say. But I did many wonderful works in your name. And Jesus will say depart from me. I I never knew you. He desires a relationship. With us. Now. Micah responds here in verse 8. Look what he says. Verse 8 he says he has shown you o oh man what is good you know what he's saying there you already know what god wants from you you already know what god wants you wants from you he's already shown you they were willing listen give me your attention they were willing to do all these other things but not do the thing they know god wants them to do I can do all these other things. I can offer you all these other things. Aren't you impressed by them? Doesn't this please you? And they know what they're supposed to do. They know what God actually requires of them. You know, in Romans chapter 10, verse 3, Paul says of the Jewish people, listen, he says, they refuse to submit to the righteousness of God and instead seek to establish their own righteousness. They refuse to do what God says he wants them to do, which is put their faith in Jesus Christ. And instead, they do these other things that they want to do. And they want God to accept that. Instead, be careful not to seek to establish your own righteousness. And not what God says in his word that he wants you to do. That you know you're supposed to do. And here's what he says in the word of God. Here's what he says you should do. And we can say in our hearts, well, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. But I will do all these other things. I mean, what if I bring thousands of rams and I give you a whole river of oil? That's got to count for something, right? I got to get some credit for that. That's not really what God's asking for. He's not asking you for a river of oil. Yeah, but look at the quality of my worship. Yeah, but your heart's far from God. God wants your heart. God wants a relationship with you. He's not impressed by what we do for him. You know, 1 Samuel, listen to this verse. You know this verse, but I'll read it to you. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? (laughs) You know, does he delight more in burnt offerings and sacrifices than he delights in you just obeying what he says? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed than the fat of rams. To obey is better than sacrifice. Yeah, but look at all these sacrifices. Yeah, but I want you to obey. That's what I'm looking for. To obey is better than sacrifice. And so in verse 8, he says, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? You already know this. But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Now, by the way, in the main reading room of the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C., there are 8 large statues surrounding the reading room and they represent the 8 categories of knowledge and each category is considered symbolic of civilized life and thought these are the pillars of a civilized society
3: He asked me how I know and I say Bring true
1: We're so glad you tuned in to hear today's edition of Ring of Truth. Pastor Dan Sexton is continuing to teach through the book of Micah, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. If you'd like to hear this message again, or to listen to additional teachings from Pastor Dan, you're welcome to visit our website at calvaryec.com. Once there, you can listen to or download a wide range of previous broadcasts. Otherwise, simply subscribe to our podcast. Our podcasts provide you with up-to-date teachings through the Bible and can be taken with you wherever you might be. This can be advantageous for those who are on the go much of the time. You'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast at our website, CalvaryEC.com, or just search for Ring of Truth in iTunes. We'd love to hear how Ring of Truth has had an impact on your life, so please let us know by giving us a call at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410 410- 491 491-4592. We'd also really like to know how we can be praying for you. So when you call, don't be afraid to share your prayer request with us. We'd be happy to pray with you and for you. Ring of Truth is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. We hope you'll be sure to join us again as Pastor Dan continues teaching in this series through the Book of Micah. We look forward to the next edition of Ring of Truth. I see the
3: signs and I recognize